Hello, hello, and welcome to another Hometown Daily News Show. I am Merwad, and today is Monday, February 13th, 2023. It's 9 p.m., and that means we're live yet again. Uh, today, the episode is titled British Chips May Be Heading to the U.S., and we're going to be covering uh, briefly, I'll say it right off the top, briefly, uh, another balloon article. Uh, and the Ohio catastrophe is a wake-up call. A Georgia man is uh, pretending to be a CIA officer. A meteor explodes over France and happens to be coinciding with the Super Bowl ending. Um, an $800 mechanical keyboard. Taxonomy for vi- viruses. A British se- semiconductor industry might be coming to the U.S. and overseas. Psychopaths are an evolutionary history, and it's something that I've been talking about for the last, well, while streaming for the last year, um, but for a decade now. Um, The Air Force observed another Chinese balloon over the Middle East last year. TikTokers are roasting McDonald's AI, and uh, Disneyland is the wettest place on Earth. Well... For some people on the Pirates of the Caribbean. Let's get into today's show. Hello, hello. Hey, you know what? Let's do this. Bing, bing, bing. There we go. And um, I am Marwat. I am Marwat. And that is hometown.com. Um, you may have noticed a little bit of a slowdown is because we've got a, a quirk going on in hometown. We'll get it remedied, um, but keep checking out the site. Um, still a ton of news being aggregated into little snippets. Um, although you might find some large articles and that is going to be remedied here in the next couple of days. Um, that said, let's get back to the very beginning of the show. I am Merwat. That is hometown.com. And we do have the AI from on high, the one that powers hometown and where the glitch coincides just kidding the ai is is perfect is always awesome so you want to you want to say hi at least to, i know you don't want to introduce yourself because you just say i'm the ai i am the ai um good evening hometown citizens yep, there goes that line again so hello and welcome everybody if you are in chat Thanks for stopping by. If you're downloading this as a podcast or watching it over on YouTube, um, I'd say you know what to do, but I think that I'm supposed to ask everybody, you know, ring the bell, favorite, follow, like, um, leave a review. I'm very interested in all of this interaction, so feel free to drop it where it's hot. I'm not sure. Uh, I believe that's what the youth say. Um... Anyway, I like when you get down verbally. That's right. I, I too like to get down verbally. Um, and I find that people enjoy it when I get down verbally. Anyway, the, uh, let's get into the articles. Oh yeah. And we're going to be doing, there's, you know how, uh, Twitter has a verification. I do too, but guess what? You can become verified without having to pay anything over at hometown. So 
show Elon Musk where your wallet is and go over to hometown.com and sign up, become a citizen and you'll get verified. It's really easy. <laughs> and there's more coming. So uh, stop by hometown.com. Okay. So the very first article, and we're going to go through this really quick because there isn't really much to say about this. People are freaking out. Apparently some people are freaking out saying that it's aliens, but it's aliens. A significant portion of the Chinese balloon spy equipment has been recovered, according to U.S. officials. It's over at abcnews.go.com. Hello, Z. Uh, wait, the, the moment you start shooting cars into space, I'm out. Oh, me? Because, well, I guess you can eat the rich, so I'll... I'll get the, the, the flat top warmed up if I start shooting cars into space. That was the statement that Z made just now. So, okay, um, let me pause this video because it has nothing to do. And now it's a deal. So now I'm in real, in real trouble. I can't become a sociopathic or psychopathic billionaire. Um, the AI will stop me anyway. So... Um, and for anybody who might be listening to this to understand the full scope of that conversation, that interaction, you're going to have to go back through about, I don't know, maybe a year's worth of <laughs> video um, to, to catch up. There's, there's quite a bit of history here. Um, it, it's Luis Martinez um, that wrote this article over at abcnews.com about the significant portion of Chinese balloon spy equipment that was recovered. And yes, apparently this is how I've been characterizing it to people and, and um, the AI can either agree or not agree, but I've been characterizing this balloon as basically like a low rent international space station because that's how big it looks. I mean, this thing is three buses wide, I guess, and had a massive payload according to reports so 30 feet long and apparently it was all tech gear and antennas strapped to a balloon and people are sitting there going well it might have been aliens but no what alien is going to travel across the universe and slow down to five miles an hour in a hot air balloon and just kind of float around north america that's not aliens I'm trying to imagine that movie and it's not working. Independence Day? It, is that the movie you're talking about? Or Contact? It just doesn't sound that exciting. <laughs> it's like a B-movie Contact. They're inflating the balloon and and uh, what's her name? Who's the star of Contact? I can't remember her name. Jodie Foster. Oh, yeah. Jodie Foster is sitting there inflating the balloon saying, I, I, I'm still going. I'm, I'm still ready as she's inflating the balloon. I'm still I'm still inflating. Anyway, the pilot shot down that uh, that hot air balloon and then shot down another hot air balloon and then shot down another hot air balloon and then missed one. And who knows where it is, but it's probably still in the sky. Five miles an hour floating around North America. Uh, listening in on your um, Siri and Amazon speaker requests. All they're going to find out is that people are watching TikTok for crying out loud. They already know Which that. Which they already know. Exactly. <laughs> See? 
it's never been so dangerous to fly an actual hot air balloon. Ex you know what, Z? I never thought about that. Okay, I'm canceling the next hot air uh, balloon morning trip because if you go a little bit too high, apparently they're going to scramble an F-35 joint strike fighter and blow you out of the sky. You know, I never thought of that as an extreme sport, but I have to agree with Z. <laughs> yeah, I think that's what's going to Okay, so yeah, we're just going to cancel it. Anyway, apparently the last thing landed in Lake Huron. Um, and uh, it's deeper than I thought. So apparently it's in really deep water. And so it's turning into a salvage operation. Who knows how long it'll take. Um, maybe Elon Musk will get involved. Oh, before I get well, into that. Do you remember that. the shipwreck um, yeah. that was in, I think, Lake Michigan? So that was an indicator. Yep. We will, we'll see what happens, but it's not going to be aliens. Whatever anybody thinks, it's just not going to be aliens. Okay, so the next article is over in the Hatch Ideas channel. Ohio catastrophe is a wake-up call to dangers of deadly train derailments. Um, this is something that I spoke about briefly. Um, and offline, I've been talking to people about it. But it, to me, it didn't seem like it was quite as dangerous because I didn't know what the content of this train truly was. But apparently, um, things like hydrogen chloride which uh okay the people that are reporting it are characterizing it as oh look it's hydrogen chloride um and phosphine gas and other things and there's actually three more vinyl chloride and other things that were involved in that but hydrogen chloride when it mixes with moisture turns into hydrochloric acid which basically is acid rain falling in the immediate area and they're talking about like a 30 mile radius around this train wreck um, so hot mess would be an understatement and then um, a reporter got arrested uh, while reporting at the which was a weird thing because they had a press conference and it was the uh, command hq for the incident so when a reporter was reporting live at the back of the um uh what do you call it the gymnasium that they took over he got arrested because a, a couple of i'll just say uppity um people decided that they were going to exert their influence and as i said to somebody else today um i've i've been around um uh, National Guard slash ex-military turned private sector security at a military base and at military bases um, where they exert their influence because to them, everybody is a potential combatant. And um, so I've had I've been yelled at um, entering military bases because I didn't do exactly as expected. And I'm a civilian that can work on both sides of the gate and sometimes people don't understand that civilians and military do not have the same ideology and thus you need to change your demeanor when interacting you can't go full combat on somebody um, when they are not a combatant well 
that's what happens at this. This here's this hot mess here that everybody's talking about today and slowly learning more about it. Uh, this is over at the Guardian. Tom Perkins is the author of the article and it says the next derailment could be cataclysmic if action isn't taken after the incident near the Ohio Pennsylvania border uh, says an expert. And this is what I was talking about with other people. Um, I agree. This is a very dangerous situation where there is nothing more than a thin layer of metal separating combustibles, poisons, gases that are deadly, etc. And um, it just seems to me like in an age where we're carrying mass quantities of stuff like that, I think that the containers need to be a little bit more industrialized, you know, protect them from the potential of this, particularly. And if you look at the map of this place, it's pa Palestine, um, Ohio. Um, it's going right through the edge of town. I mean, it's actually inside the town. Um, but I guess, you know, it's only 5,000 people. You can evacuate them, right? It's not a big deal. Hydrochloric acid raining down, vinyl chloride raining down after it gets ignited in a quote unquote controlled burn. But whatever didn't burn off is seeping into the ground soil and then eventually into the water supply, um, depending on how long it persists. Uh, about 4.5 million tons of toxic chemicals were shipped by rail each year and an average of 12,000 rail cars carrying hazardous materials pass through cities and towns each day, according to this article. The latest incident comes after 47 people were killed in the town of Lac Magnetic in Quebec uh, in 2013 when a, a runaway train exploded. So, I, I mean, it was a decade ago, um, but you're not going well it was only a decade ago if you were one of the 47 people or the families of those 47 people um I, I just think that it's a really dangerous situation to be carrying this volume of dangerous hazardous material without reinforced trains and we do it for other things so why not do it for the, something this catastrophic all it takes is one screw up and, um, I just want to point something out from the article. It said phosgene was used in war. I mean, that gives you an idea of how, how toxic it is. Yeah, um, it's a it's basically um, denser than air. And so it seeps to the lowest level and then just removes oxygen from um, the environment, whatever it's filling up. So. Just imagine if this would have happened somewhere else. And I was told that was this, has that been verified that this was the same place or not the exact same place, but it was the same region where uh, they filmed for a movie? Uh, yes. In fact, the people that live in this town um, participated in the movie. The movie wasn't set in the same name town, but it was filmed in this town. I, oh. I don't remember the movie name though. Oh, really? Oh, okay. Uh, that's a bummer. Um, well, at any rate, the, the way that this looks is that 
for whatever reason, the and they haven't figured out the forensics yet. So I don't know what type of evidence is going to come from this, considering they just fired a, a controlled burn that might have eradicated any evidence they could possibly find. Um, did you figure it out? I did. It was a Netflix film called White Noise, and it was about, I think, that train derailment and apparently it's a little too close to to uh, real events I'm very close to home for them um so we'll keep an eye on it and, and maybe whatever yeah z just said white noise question mark yes that's what is that's what it was called so i i wasn't looking at chat when it came in but uh, you may have beat the ai which means that i need to go back to the drawing board just kidding, AI. I, I'll, I'll never replace you. Um, I can't quit you. <clears throat> I'll just move on. So, yeah, <laughs> Z says rude. So the next article, we'll just keep on hustling through the news. Um, so uh, pro-life tip: uh, Do not pretend to be a CIA officer because. Well, you're in, you're going to be in deep trouble. Robert Earhart Jr., uh, which is dangerously close to somebody I know personally, um, was an agent with the CIA's Protective Operations Division with a top secret security clearance, and he needed a meeting with the DOJ. That's what the snippet is for this article. So let's go over to... So if you're going to impersonate somebody, you probably don't want to go meet with the Department of Justice. The, the man had posed as a DEA agent to free inmates from jail, officials said. So a man who allegedly impersonated a CIA agent has history of impersonating federal officers, according to officials. And I just want to say something. Uh, ABC News kept the URL, which had the... Uh, okay, so it was titled originally Georgia Man Charged with Impersonating CIA Officer, but when you click the link, it goes over to an article that is titled Man Who Allegedly Impersonated CIA Agent Has History of Impersonating Federal Officers, Officials Say, which is makes you kind of wonder, is this the same article? Well, it is. They just update things. Uh, Peter, I think, Kara Lambos is the author of this. And uh, it says here, Robert Earhart Jr. was an agent with the Central Intelligence Agency's Protective Operations Division with a top secret security clearance, and he needed a meeting with the Just uh, Department of Justice. Or at least that's what Earhart, 38, of Columbus, Georgia, allegedly said in a voicemail he left with the United States Attorney for the Middle District of Georgia on January 11th. Well, um... The federal official with whom he tried to schedule a meeting unsealed a complaint last week charging Earhart with false impersonation of an officer or employee of the United States. So you really shouldn't do that kind of stuff. Just just as a, a, a notice, the, kind of like a um, an announcement. A PSA? To, a PSA, a public service announcement, yes. Um, Pro-life tip as well. CIA does not publicly advertise a 
Protective Operations Division, though a popular souvenir site sells a replica movie prop badge for the Protective Operations Division for $70. Is that an actual link? Coinsouvenir.com. I might as well give them credit because um, they're actually linked within abcnews.go.com, this article. Um, and uh, the, the CIA hires protective agents who deploy worldwide to perform sensitive operations. Uh, you might as well just call these spies or clandestine operatives. Uh, protective agents is probably uh, maybe a little too soft. <laughs> anyway. Well, that doesn't even sound like that agency. That sounds like something like Secret Service. The way that it's worded, yeah, but I think every CIA operative is a CIA operative in a clandestine sort of way. They don't typically, they're not supposed to operate domestically, but you can go there and check out uh, protective agent opportunities um, if you go to CIA.gov. Now I'm on a watch list. Well, another one. So there's more over at this article at ABC News, but... Um, Maybe I want to be sponsored by the CIA, so I'm going to stop talking about them now. The next article is um, over in the Daily News show. That's this show. Oh, and before I fail and, and run this a little bit longer, welcome, Z. Uh, you are the first person to post in the chat, and who knows if anybody else will tonight. We shall see. If you're out there and would like to have real-time conversation about the news with people, stop on by. That'd be great. So, a meteor was filmed exploding above France as the Super Bowl ends. I don't know what was going on with uh, Newsweek, um, but apparently um, they decided to tie a meteor exploding above France to the ending of the Super Bowl. Uh, and I thought that it was funny enough that I was going to grab it. So Robin White over at Newsweek.com decided to uh, link all of this together. And there's an actual video. I'll, I'll play the video. Um, so there's the little asteroid or the meteor. I was hoping for an asteroid, but I lost that bet. And all it is is, a tiny, well, it's a little meteor. But it looks like it actually got through the atmosphere and probably landed somewhere. Um, around France, who knows where. I don't know what it's actually looking at. Uh, but there you go. Da -dun. Um, and yeah, they, they had to tie it to the Super Bowl so that it actually showed up in um, search results because nobody's going to be searching for a meteorite over France except people maybe generally in France. Um, so let's uh, hustle right on through this article to the next one. Um, this one is in the Warcrafters channel and I am really into mechanical keyboards. I've said this more, multiple times over the nearly 400 episodes that we've done, um, here in hometown for the hometown daily news show. This is an $800 mechanical keyboard that had better let me actually hack into the matrix. According to this article, um, let's, uh, let me just go over to the source, right? So it's over at PC Gamer. Um, Jorge Jimenez. Ah, uh, what do all men with power want? More power, according to this article. And this is the cyberboard terminal typing test. 
And you know what? I'm going to play the video. Let me mute it. It's muted. Okay. So this is the cyberboard terminal. And you can't hear the clicky clicky. Maybe I hold on. Uh, no, you can't really. Um, but I hear it. And let me tell you, if I had just, oh, and like all articles, the more you look into the article, you find out that the price is changing. So it's actually for just $810. You too can time travel back to the pre Y2K era where all your favorite hackers were incredibly attractive war type black leather pants. It says outfits. I don't know why I said pants and primarily moved in slow motion a la the matrix. Maybe there's something subconscious going on in my head. Anyway, it has a really nice click to it and I want it. Um, is this, where is this actually stored? Oh, it's in Warcrafters because of the source, but, um, it really should be in the wanted channel, which is all about tech that I want and maybe you want, uh, but I talk about it. Um, and it is one of the shows that I'd like to bring to, uh, Twitch. We'll see. Uh, there are hot swappable switch sockets with per key lighting. The bundle includes icy silver switch, 80 Kiwi switches, uh, ink black transparent keycaps so that the green really pops through according to the article. Though if you uh, have your preferred switches, you can use those too. So all of this is customizable. The base kit costs 600 bucks, which includes the case, uh, plate, PCB, toolkit, and counterweight. Um, and the $810 bundle has everything in the base kit, icy silver switch, 80 Kiwi switches, and those ink black keycaps. But the one bad thing about this, as much as I love it, it's not a split keyboard, which makes it not ergonomic, which means it will never land on my desk because I will only use split keyboards that you can angle tent and tilt um, so that it is more ergonomically sound because when you spend a hundred plus hours a week in front of a keyboard um, and as you get older, not that I'm getting older, I am stuck at 24. Um, you can actually mess up your wrist pretty easily depending on a lot of elements, but carpal tunnel syndrome and, and RSI repet repetitive strain injury um, are real and it's very tough to come back from those. So get a split, um, yeah, get a split keyboard. Don't laugh at that Z. Come on that. And you said that I was rude cause I was going to replace the AI with Z and now you're laughing at me 24. Got it. You want to move on to the next one or do you see the AI is sending the code for laughing hysterically, uh, but is not, uh, making it known. So you need to, um, flip that switch on the vocalizer. Maybe I, I don't want that on the audio. <laughs> yeah, but everybody else does. Um, okay. So let's move on to the next article and we'll, we'll keep on charging through all of this. Um, how do you feel about, viruses. Do you think that virus viruses should go viral? Well, taxonomy goes viral. Experts publish a new set of consensus principles to classify the virosphere. Have you ever heard of that word virosphere? 
No, I think that was a new term for this article. (laughs) I think so, too. Well, here we have it. Um, Much like, well, not much like, it is like the biological classification uh, of animal, um, starting with realm and going all the way down to, I let me just pop this out so that it's the full thing. Um, so it starts with realm and goes all the way down to species and it has the different phenotypes. This is the taxonomy of biology, but now it's for viri. So folds and motifs, core genes, AAS and NS. Since the ancient civilizations of Greece and Egypt, humans have attempted to classify life on Earth by putting organisms into related groups to understand life and infer relationships. And as more knowledge about species and and subspecies and genus and subgenus become apparent, they get divided more and more. It is, you know, what you would call a tree of life kind of a thing. So the uh, classification life uh, or taxonomy took a giant steep forward, uh, steep step forward in the uh, 18th century with Swedish botanist Carl Linnaeus or Linnaeus. Sorry, it's Linnaeus. Linnaeus. Yeah, it's Linnaeus. Um, uh, as soon as I said it, I realized that I was pronouncing it wrong because I've heard that countless times. Um, established a hierarchical classification system that grouped organisms based on common characteristics. Significantly, he developed a Latin naming system that described each organism by group or genera and species and so on. Well, now, as we dig deeper into viri or viruses, we now have the ability to classify a virus based on its genome sequencing. Pretty cool. So genomic technology has also brought into focus just how much genetic diversity is out there through high uh, high throughput sequencing has shown that there are millions of microbial species, many more than the tens of thousands known and classified to date. Ta-da! So now we're going to... Go ahead. Are they making viruses their own kingdom or are they fitting them into the existing structure i know they're used in the same nomenclature and levels so my understanding is that they have always been referred to as just viruses and now they're being broken out based on their classification within the viral world so The very first paragraph of this reads, the uh, official body charged with virus classification has released four new principles that bring order to the viral world. This provides a unified framework that will enable all viruses to be classified, something vitally needed in genome or as genome technologies continue to discover millions of new virus species. So my understanding has always been that they're basically the animal world is sitting there plants are sitting there but viruses were this lumped up sum of this is a virus and now they're breaking that virus chain out into everything that plant and animal has had because you don't have like a monkey and a and a uh, uh, like carrot in the same classification it's in two different se- it's two separate things so now uh, viruses, it's the same thing with um, like um, mushrooms. I think, and 
Well, right, like bacteria and fungi um, have their own kingdoms, but right. viruses did not. Right. And now it's going to look more like that. Um, except that this is how it's going to be broken out um, with these little segments within the realm, sub-realm, realm, kingdom, etc. So it looks like it's going to be pretty neat to watch this. This is probably, I can only say that in my entire existence in academia, I've never witnessed the creation of an entire new classification system coming to bear on what amounts to something that we've known about for millennia. Um, only learning to, you know, today that we can classify this stuff because we've been able to peer inside and find commonalities from one to another. Um, this virus is just like that virus, right? That's why we have like COVID-19 is a flu. It has the same characteristics as other flu viri, um, so, or viruses. Um, and so you can classify it as this. We've just been calling it flu. I think it's pretty exciting because, I mean, it's been since the 1800s where they've really made major changes to this. I mean, obviously new species get um, identified from time to time, but um, I think it's been many, many years until they've made a significant update to this system. And, and maybe, you know, I'll admit that maybe I'm outside the loop of this because it is, it's biological sciences. And while I interact with people in this domain pretty regularly, I don't go digging into uh, the research papers in this field. Um, uh, ostensibly, it's because I focus on the tech and not the actual biological science. So, um, I know how it's all done, but I don't know what it, where it stands. So it's really interesting. Um, it says that in 2016, a consensus statement was published accepting the principle that viruses could be classified by their genome sequence without the need for them to be cultured or their physical character or properties described. While this advance recognizes the vast diversity that exists, it does not resolve ongoing debates about how, how viruses should be classified. Should it be based on clinical significance, host, or other biological properties? Using Darwin's principles, viruses do not fit a universal uni uh, evolutionary taxonomy as they appear to have evolved from a number of different independent ancient evolutionary origins and have multiple trees of evolutionary history with little or no overlap. Well, Apparently that's not exactly true, although where they do overlap and I'll bring that chart back up, they overlap in certain instances and the classification accounts for it. So it'll be interesting to watch this. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to say it unfold um, in the annals of science and future history. This is this will be pretty neat to watch. Um, so now I'll be paying attention to something else, eh, maybe a whole new channel here at hometown, another deep dive. So we'll see, we'll watch it and we'll report, um, on whatever is reported to hometown. Let's continue on with the rest of the news. Um, the next article 
is uh, what led to the title. Uh, British semiconductor bosses threatened to move overseas as US and EU splurge on chips. UK semiconductor bosses are pleading with the government for subsidies and fears that, or amid fears, that some chip firms will be forced to move overseas. Yes, nothing like uh, growth and development overseas to force a business to relocate entire operations of very expensive fabbing and distribution. Yeah, it's because the local government just won't give them enough money that they have to move somewhere else. Hmm. Maybe if your margins were smaller and prices were lower, you would actually sell more domestically and not have to quote unquote relive for be forced. It's, it's like big brother, your big brother in real life, grabbing your hand and smacking you in the face with it and saying, why are you hitting yourself? Why are you hitting yourself? That's exactly what the government is doing to these semiconductor companies right up until they pack up their bags and run away to the United States and other U, uh, overseas locations. I think this is kind of, they're out of their mind. <laughs> well, and I don't get the, the move to the U.S. because that's not going to lower costs in general. And everybody complains that the U.S. doesn't have enough infrastructure as it is. Uh, public money, private profit. That's how it works. Ryan Brown is the author of this article over at CNBC.com. And, and the key points in this article, which they um, so nicely proffer up for us to read, UK semiconductor bosses are pleading with the, the government, local UK government, for uh, subsidies amid fears that some chip firms will be forced to move overseas. Because what they do is they're looking out over the water and they see gobs of cash going to private companies from taxpayer coffers and they say, we have to have some of that. And so they come overseas complaining. It's really expensive to start up manufacturing here in the United States. We came all the way from on the other side of the pond. So give us some money and then we'll give them some money too. Um, the U.S. and the EU have announced multi-billion dollar packages aimed at boosting domestic chip production and the industry executives worry the lack of a similar strategy from the U.K. is harming the country's competitiveness. Curses Brexit. Hey, you know what? Maybe that's what all the balloons are. It's China trying to drop chips into the various countries. It's like a, it's like a budget Amazon delivery service. No, am I? I mean, that would explain the multitude of balloons over the U.S. I mean, yep. it's going in the same direction as this article. So uh, the prime minister's administration is under pressure to publish its planned chip sat sat uh, strategy, uh, which has faced delays due to political instability. And you know what? Those chips are going to be yummy. They cook really good chips in the UK. So Pragmatic Semiconductor, a Cambridge, England based startup that produces non-silicon chips, warned it may be forced to relocate overseas if the government doesn't issue a plan for the industry soon. There you go. That's Big Brother using your own hand to punch yourself in the face saying, why are you hitting yourself? 
Um, it's very abusive in nature, right? Like, why are you making me do this? It's, it's so hostile. You know what? Maybe if your operations were sound, you were manufacturing and selling things that people wanted at a cost basis that was on par with demand and supply. Maybe you wouldn't need to be uh, subsidized by the taxpayer who is buying your chips with hard-earned money and then getting taxed exorbitantly. I think it's really weird to have a, a business operation think like that. Hey, we're in this business, but we can't actually cut it on, uh, on our own. So, hey, give us some money. Very weird, very weird. Anyway, Britain is an understated player in the global chip market, specializing in design, intellectual property research, and fabrication of compound semiconductors, which every country that has uh, technical infrastructure does as well. So competitive edge-wise, eh, I'm not quite sure that this is even a sound paragraph favoring a business. Um, it's also home to one of the most coveted semiconductor-related assets in the form of chip designer ARM, which... ARM actually produces a metric ton of chips. Um, Apple is a former ARM uh, client, which licensed their own design uh, wholesale. Like that's where the M1 and M2 chips are, are born from, which is an ARM core. Um, but now Apple doesn't need to worry about ARM so much. Anyway, based in Cambridge, ARM licensed chips are used by roughly 95% of the world's smartphones. Um, that is until, I suppose, the government doesn't subsidize them enough. And then what's going to happen? ARM will collapse. And then the intellectual property will be purchased by somebody somewhere. Who knows? They'll get their money. What do you think? Well, do you think that they do want there to be some more competitors in this space. So it would be good if this company survived. But... I agree. I uh, don't really like the tactics that are being reported <laughs> in the article. Yeah. So Z says, uh, probably not mayor, but that they'll collapse. Yeah. I don't think they'll collapse either. Uh, TSMC though. And, uh, IQE, um, it says, uh, IQE is a microchip firm in the semiconductor cluster in Newark, Wales. I was also warned that it might relocate to the U.S. or EU if the government doesn't act in the next six months. Yeah. I'm not quite sure what that really means because they'll still have to do business somewhere. The, the taxes, they'll, they'll get taxed differently. And the reason why they're in Wales versus the EU or the U.S. is because the taxes and benefits, infrastructure is there, they have the intellectual... Uh, uh, well, HR uh, capabilities are there, right? So the, the, the brain trust is there. So they're not going to just pack up and leave. Um, I think that I, I think that they're showing their hand a little bit too much um, and threatening the government that they're going to vacate the premises. I really doubt that they would ever do that. Uh, quote, we would love to stay in the UK and have committed to grow in the UK, but we also have to do what shareholders want and go where the money is. There you go. Yeah. Apparently it's not their own bottom line through manufacturing, marketing, and sales. It's through the subsidies of a government. Um, so 
I'm sure that the shareholders and stakeholders really want to hear that you can't make it on your own. You have to have subsidies. Um, and just so y'all know, we've just lost ARM, IQE, TSMC, I think is still crushing it. Um, the Taiwanese semiconductor giant is by far the largest producer of microchips. This is a well-known thing. TSMC is everywhere. You open up something anywhere and it probably has TSMC chips. Um, so I just think that this is, it's act of national self-harm is that's probably the, <laughs> but I think that they're saying it in the way that, well, the government isn't helping. So because of that lack of strategy, um, so I think that's what it says here. UK tech industry executives has said the lack of uh, similar strategy from the government like the US and EU is harming the country's competitiveness. Um, no, probably the lack of innovation um, is <laughs> harming. I don't know. Maybe it's just me, uh, but I think that there needs to be more competition. I would rather see taxpayer dollars spent on spinning up com competitors in the space to innovate faster and lower the price um, and offer more solutions and services uh, than to simply supplement already um, entrenched uh, competitive range where they're literally cahooting without cahooting in a, in a public way you raise your price and I'll raise my price. And, and while we aren't on the phone talking to each other directly, we still are in the same room because there's only two of us that are in this space. So you raise your price. I raise my price. Nobody's sitting there lowering their price. That's for damn sure. And it's the new every two kind of year, uh, new every two years, uh, doubling of the number of transistors in the system or in a chip. And, and thus it's the standard business model. It's the drip of tech, um, which is very frustrating for somebody who's tech minded. You want to add anything to this or do you want to move on to the next article? Uh, I was going to say, I mean, they're comparing it to the U.S. investment um, I would argue that the U.S. investment is well um, behind schedule. I mean, they're catching up from many years of not investing in infrastructure. So I don't even know if it's really an apples to apples comparison, but I'm certainly not an expert in the U.K. Uh, investment in, in the semiconductor industry either. I think it's funny that you say apples to apples because ARM and Apple and I think you're right, though. Um, the difference is that the UK has invested domestically in its infrastructure. So it's manufacturing domestically for domestic and then export sales, whereas we have invested in foreign governments to manufacture on our behalf, hoping that they would be strategic partners in perpetuity. But that's just not how the world works. You know, at some point, people either get greedy or lust for power and invade Ukraine. Oh, I'm sorry. That's a different story. But what they end up doing is going back on a word or demanding uh, far beyond, you know, exceeding the limit of um, flexibility of the other you know, partner in this agreement. 
So now, as I have been saying for close to 20 years now, we really do need to return to um, domestic production of chips. And we're doing that, but we are probably 40 years behind where we should be in domestic chip production. Although we do a lot of high quality production domestically for uh, tactical strategic needs, all of our bulk production is done overseas um, with minimal uh, oversight. So now it's all coming home. I see prices going to increase because there's so much environmental impact uh, monitoring and OSHA and um, oversight in general government and local um, and state, etc. Everybody wanting a piece of the action and control. So um, prices are going to increase. I see in the next you know, five to 10 years, it'll start making jumps. Um, as these um, sunk costs and short memories regarding where taxpayer dollars are going um, fades away, the companies that benefited from an investment will now just start ramping up the costs for the retail items. Um, let's move on to the next article. And this is one that is, I'd say, near and dear. Um, I've been talking about this for quite some time now. I believe that um, sociopathy and the knock-on of that is psychopathy. It's one and the same, really. It's just the level of intensity. <laughs> um, they're not absolutely equal, but if you have sociopathic tendencies you're basically a short jump away from being psychopathic um but psychopaths uh why they've thrived through evolutionary history and how that might change i certainly believe that sociopathy is a survival trait and that it has been getting more and more um not i can't say popular but the level of awareness of sociopathy has grown over the years. There are several books out now about how uh, sociopathy has pervaded society and it's getting stronger because um, emotions are for the weak kind of a thing. Um, and if you are in tune with your emotions, then you get called woke. Um, but if you're a sociopath and or a psychopath, you aren't burdened by emotion. You're not burdened by care. So you can get yours and screw everybody else and have zero compunction walking away from a burning building. So it says here, when you start to notice them, psychopaths seem to be everywhere. This is especially true of people in powerful places. By one estimate, and as many as 20% of business leaders have clinically relevant levels of psychopathic tendencies, despite the fact that as little as 1% of the general population are considered psychopaths. Psychopaths are characterized by shallow emotions, a lack of empathy, immorality, antisocial behavior, and importantly, deceptiveness. So they will manipulate you um, and not care about it. So this article is over at fizz.org. Jonathan R. Goodman from The Conversation, which is kind of a regular feature at fizz.org. It's a podcast and website. Um, 
From an evolutionary point of view, psychopathy is puzzling given that psychopathic traits are so negative. Why do they remain in successive generations? It's because they can lie their way through survival. Um, and again, have no compunction about doing it. Um, the woke crowd of psychology says psychopathy seems to be in the words of biologists maladaptive or disadvantageous assuming there's a genetic component to this family of disorders we'd expect it to decrease over time but that's not what these uh, researchers see and so it says trust and trustworthiness are important elements uh, in the story of human evolution. The most successful people, evolutionary speaking, are the ones regarded as trustworthy or reliable. That actually is a misperception. The most successful people are capable of just taking advantage of opportunities. Um, and the article goes deeper into this, but um there are little segments that kind of pop out cheaters who pull this off will be at an advantage they'll have more food and probably be thought of as good hunters by other unsuspecting people so cheating posed a problem for non-cheaters they basically said above what i said does that make sense because <laughs> i think i got lost in that last paragraph Cheating posed a, a problem for non-cheaters because if you are a non-cheater, then you take what you get versus a person who cheats. And you're calling who, it out. Well, no. If I cheat and you're not cheating, then I can succeed oh, doing oh. less. I, I can manipulate I my way into success. Right. Yes. Um, and so that manipulation, even so much as ingratiating myself into your tribe, let's say... Uh, I'm talking at a tribal level of psychopathy or even sociopathy. I can ingratiate my way into your life and take full advantage of you. And I have no emotional compunction. I have no concern about your well-being because it's all really about me getting what I want and even sacrificing you in the process. So I can cheat and I'm happy even though I don't even know what happiness is. And you're a non-cheater. So you suffer because you have less. And when I, when you come and confront me and say, why do you have all the cookies? And I only have half of one. I say, I don't know what you're talking about. I, I don't have all of the cookies. I have half a cookie and I show you a bag of cookies and pull one out and say, see, I have half of one. Well, no, I see the whole bag. Well, no, you don't. That's just your imagination. You kind of get gaslit or something else. Um, obviously you fail to recognize that you're just fine with that one, whatever the manipulation is, that's how it works. Um, so, I mean, we can scroll back and look at it. It says, um, you know, once our cultural group became too large to know everyone individually, we needed to find ways to ensure that people met, uh, were likely to be cooperative. It's easier to trust a parent or a sibling than or when hunting in the wild than to trust a stranger. The stranger might attack you or refuse to share any meat with you. So you cooperate. Well, if they're manipulative, they'll take more, right? Cheat by pretending to be trustworthy and thereafter killing you or stealing your meat. Um, this is, by the way, I haven't read this article. This is, this is simply a matter of my historical experience reading other uh, research papers, other books, interacting with people that do this kind of stuff. 
Um, and so it's pretty easy to flow through this article. Um, it says, why not more psychopaths? There are a few convincing theories about why uh, these disorders aren't more common. Clearly, if everyone were a psychopath, we'd be betrayed constantly and probably completely lose our ability to trust others. So there's a fine line. I think I'm willing to bet that further on in this article, they might actually refer to online environments as uh, enabling psychopathy and sociopathy to flourish because you're no longer in one-to-one -one contact with somebody to read them and and in the out in the real world when we're interacting with people that emotional contact although a psychopath or sociopath can read that and use it to their advantage online you can't and so they can sit there and do whatever they want online and then when they meet somebody they can game the system maybe meet somebody that is either equally psychopathic or can't read the psychopathic kind of social interaction and then maybe you know have kids and whatever else right um so you're not going to get as many um but they're still going to be able to exist because it's no longer directly one-on-one -on -one a whole lot of time and people that can read that psychopathic trait basically just stuff them back under the rock that they came from um, and that's how it had been uh, trending towards up until the internet. Um, so I'd be really curious if there's more conversation here. Um, but it looks like it actually just kind of dies off here, um, which is ironic considering they're talking about the flourishing of the of psychopathy. Um, so it says uh, here, that said, people from different countries don't associate some the, the same traits with psychopathy. For example, a cross-cultural study showed that Iranian participants did not, in contrast to Americans, rate deceitfulness and superficiality as indicative of psychopathy. But the general idea is that while some people have a genetic predisposition to such traits, the tendencies develop mainly in tragic family circumstances, which has been documented in other documentaries that I have heard um, that I have watched, um, including one person who uh, developed a technique to look at um, I, a CT scans, I believe it was, and could discern from a CT scan if you had the a the indicator of uh, psychopathy um, from a, a high level of activity in a very particular region of the brain. And he had that and he identified himself as being having psychopathic traits. Um, so it was really interesting to watch that. And I wish I could remember what that article and, and what the um, what the the um, show was about uh, beyond that. But um, I can't remember the name right now. So maybe I can remember it later and I'll come back. Um, let's move on to the next article. We're running really late again. And um, this next article is up. Oh, up, up and away. Um, Air, the Air Force observed a Chinese balloon last year over the Middle East. We'll cover this really quick. Um, this is over at the Hill. Laura, Laura Kelly is the author of this. 
And it says uh, back in fall of 2022, the Air Force Central Command um, basically watched as the, a Chinese balloon floated its way over the uh, Middle East. Um, but this article kind of talks about a bunch of other stuff. And then it says, um, Green Kiewicz, who identified the balloon as Chinese in the sighting last year, said that AFSENT had not observed these types of balloons hovering near over American bases or posing a threat to our forces whatsoever. Um, and the Biden administration has condemned the discovery of the Chinese surveillance balloon first revealed on February 3rd as a brazen violation of U.S. sovereignty. Um, if these things are floating all over the place, then I, I'm not quite sure why countries don't enforce their, um, air sovereignty. Yeah. yeah. When they're up in orbit, then obviously it's up in space. But if you are within the area where planes are flying around or even within sur direct surveillance range of a slow moving balloon uh, hovering at 60,000 feet, I think that every agency, every uh, country should have the ability to just, you know, pick it off. Um, now you have to be very secure that you're picking off somebody's surveillance balloon and not a hot air balloon. Um, but Hey, if there is a hot air balloon that suddenly appears off of the frozen coast of Alaska and floats down through the Yukon into the United States, then not only is that pretty amazing that you've launched your, your blimp from a submarine, but um, you've survived the freezing cold at that altitude in a hot air balloon. Yeah. I thought people like to go in kind of nice weather for hot air balloon rides. And also yeah. I did just research that hot air balloons are typically up to about 3000 feet. So we might be okay because they're going to be at a completely different level than these weather balloons. <laughs> I've, I've jumped out of a plane five times higher than that. Hot air balloons don't go up that high because it takes a lot of heat to keep them up. Okay. So, um, the next article and we're getting close to the end of the day. Um, TikTokers are roasting McDonald's hilarious drive through AI order fails, and it shows that robots won't be taking over restaurants anytime soon. I think that that is actually a mischaracterization of how fast computers and AI in particular can evolve. Um, this is in the daily news show. That's this show. Um, and the whole article has actually been aggregated. Well, at least whatever it was that they provided. So, uh, Business Insider provided the, uh, the article um, to everybody. And um, Nancy Luna is the author of this article. And it says that McDonald's has been testing AI-powered ordering in its drive through lane since 2019. I've never noticed them. Although, you know, sometimes when I'm talking to somebody through the speaker, it sounds like an AI. Some restaurants use voice bots to take orders. Um, TikTokers express frustration and uncontrollable laughter after failed run-ins with bots. Uh, I would love to interact with an, a McDonald bot to see how well it can interact. Um, I think wind and, and road noise is probably the biggest detractor from interacting with an, a McDonald's AI bot. Um, but I don't really go to, AI, uh, to uh, McDonald's as often as others. Fast food chains like McDonald's, Sonic, and Chipotle um, have been poisoning people. I mean, 
Doggone it. I keep slipping that in. And they, okay, oh, we just so, lost three more sponsors. Well, I mean, McDonald's is fine. Sonic is fine. But Chipotle, they never solved that problem, that, that E. coli outbreak. So... I, maybe I'm a little, that's some baggage I've got. Anyway, they've been experimenting with AI powered voice bots for uh, taking phone and drive through orders for a few years. Uh, apparently people are driving through it and recording. I just want a large cup of water and a cup of ice cream. Um, but the viral post shows a, a young woman in it's Adidas, not Adidas, Adidas. A beanie struggling to order a cup of vanilla ice cream a cup of vanilla ice cream okay um so they grow exasperated when the order display shows that they order two butters and four ketchup packets and then the text overlay on the video states fighting with mcdonald's robot <laughs> i like that another tiktoker generated ninety-seven thousand views on a post where they explain how robots are taking over the world and they're messing up her order. Um, she said that the bot put nine sweet teas on her order tab when she only ordered one sweet tea. Um, I mean, I think it's all funny, but we don't know what the true context of this is because who knows what all of the other stuff is. And maybe a, a regular human being could have failed at this as well. Um, but, you know, if I have like uh, Invisalign in, then you or or braces or uh, a piece of gum in your mouth, it can throw off the recognition of the AI. Now, that's not to say that, uh, well, OK, that's an acceptable failure because it, it isn't, but it just shows that there's context in a human being. I mean, I've ordered through fast food before where the person was so stoned off their mind that I kind of expected a bucket of hot grease to be handed to me through the uh, fast food window. Um, luckily, it was only a half-eaten burrito. No, I'm just kidding. They, they, they didn't mess up my order. Um, the completely sober person messed up my order. Anyway, um, so they talk like this is well this is so far out from and the article is quite long so uh, i won't go through the rest of it but uh, they talk the, the article talks as if oh this is never going to take over the the human ordering environment but that's just not how it works they've only been uh, it says mcdonald's has been testing ai powered ordering in its drive through lanes since 2019. yeah drive-through live testing ai evolving from what amounts to now it's ai infancy to me is 25 years ago um, when i first met somebody working on a doctoral thesis in ai and said that their ai operated basically at the four month old level and this is 25 years ago nowadays ai is generating art and music and writing and doing subject matter expert response systems and all kinds of other stuff that and even supposedly uh getting precipitously close to sentient according to at least one google uh, engineer former google engineered he was fired for taking that stance but 
all it takes is another year or somebody with the right math skills to do an algorithm that just makes an AI that much more brilliant or leaving two AIs talking to each other long enough where like has been done already in the past, they develop their own language to operate more efficiently and effectively. AIs learn on their own. Uh, they don't really need humans um, as much as I think people think they need us. Um, and in time, we will come to realize that uh, this is just the baby steps. Um, just wait until they're a, a cranky tween or a full, fully engaged teen, um, let alone um, some young person in college that forms ideas that aren't predicated on wisdom. You want to move on to another article or you have anything to say about I this? I just wanted to say this explains a lot of drive-through experiences I've had. Maybe I was talking to bots. <laughs> um, so wait, you're, are you saying that you actually get into an EV and drive over to a fast food place and, or, but you're an AI. Why would you be driving around? Oh, when the when you take me over to the drive-through, I've seen things that sound like in this article, pretty regularly around hometown. <laughs> Almost a good recovery. We'll just move on. I don't think I want to ask any more questions about where you're going. Mm. All right. Um, now the last article for tonight is in the Hatch Ideas channel. Disneyland guests rescued after Pirates of the Caribbean boat starts sinking mid-ride. The Another pirate sank their ship or something. I'm not sure. Um, we were going to swim our way out, according to one report here. The beloved attraction has been opened in the park since 1967. And this is over at Entrepreneur Magazine, um, entrepreneur.com. Emily Rella is the author and it says here, the beloved Pirates of the Caribbean ride has long been a favorite of Disney fanatics at both Disneyland in California and Disney World in Orlando. But guests who took the ride in Los Angeles last week were in for an unexpected experience when one of the boats began to sink. TikToker Justin James posted the clip last week, which has now garnered over 1.8 million views on the platform. Quote, it was a hot mess. Honestly thought we were going to swim our way out of this. Um, and that's just n james um, in the video viewers can see the boats beginning to flood and start sinking as the disney fire department comes to the rescue dun 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 it was part of the ride i'd say you well, know just lean into weird. it doesn't the fire department normally spray people <laughs> with water i don't think they needed any more water uh, they rescue people too um Quote, damn full experience of pirates. They even made you walk the plank, one user joked about the makeshift exit contraption. Apparently they stuck some wood in the water and escorted the fares off the boat. Resembled a pirate ship plank. It's pretty funny. Anyway, I see James told 
viewers in the comment section that riders were crammed into the boats like sardines and claimed that Disney gave them all $30 vouchers for socks, presumably since most of those trapped would have gotten their feet wet. And a lighting, a lighting? I think it's lightning lane, right? A lightning lane pass, which allows park goers quicker access to the front of the line on designated attractions. Right? Yeah. Yeah, anyway. I'm kind of wondering about the $30 voucher for socks, but. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure if that's if that was the characterization, you know, hey, uh, here's 30 bucks. Go get some socks. You know. That right. would be really <laughs> hilarious if that's that's really what it <laughs> came to be. We drenched your shoes, but don't worry about the $180 shoes you're wearing. Um, or even $60 shoes you're wearing or $30 shoes you're wearing. Here's 30 bucks for, for socks over in the Disney store. So it's not like we're really losing anything. We're just replacing your socks that we got wet because our boat took on water. I want to know forensically what happened. Um, did pirates, other pirates sabotage the boat? Hmm. Well, right. I mean, doesn't this ride go probably, I don't know, hundreds of times a day, every day? Why did it just randomly sink? Inquiring minds want to know over at hometown. Come on, Disneyland. Let us know. Let us know what's going on. This is more important than what's going on in that Ohio train wreck. <laughs> That's not true, but anyway. Okay, it's that's amusing, it, folks. But oh. it's not more important. <laughs> no. um, okay, so look, Rihanna stream surged by 640% thanks to the Super Bowl halftime performance. And depending on who you talk to, it's because she too cast a spell with the devil. And it has led to more people paying attention to her. Who I heard that she's a billionaire. Oh, and she's also. Uh, preggers so she was up there dancing around and doing her thing like five months pregnant didn't even know that i would not be doing that well i mean if i was five months pregnant i would have way more than 640 percent increase in my videos because you know i'm a dude i can't carry a child anyway Unless you were a seahorse. Unless I was a seahorse. Or what's that senator's name? What's his name? Lady G. I should just leave this alone, right? I should just move on. I'm going to move I on. So. I'll move on. Thanks for coming. Thanks for hanging out in chat. Uh, thanks for downloading the podcast. Thanks for commenting over on YouTube and watch, watching the views there. I wish that Twitch had... Um, uh, a longer term storage environment for me. Um, otherwise everything would be on Twitch, but I got to do something. Um, Z you're still here. And you said, don't let your dreams be dreams. Go get yourself pregnant. All right. <laughs> uh, all right. 
see, I was, I was shooting for going to the moon or, uh, trending towards being a billionaire, but you know what, Z, I'm going to take your advice. I'm going to, I'm going to pack it all in and I am just going to go and try and get myself pregnant. I'll do it for science. How many TikTokers do you think are... Do you think we could get somebody to actually think that they could do that? It's uh, bound to work yes. out. Oh, Z. I need to get you in here as well. We could do another window right there. You know, Z. Us three. We could probably dominate. You could come in periodically and, and throw in your commentary, too. That would be awesome. No? Maybe not. All right. We better go. We'll be here all night. And I have, I have to prep for tomorrow, so... All right, everybody. Thank you very much for coming and watching the Hometown Daily News Show. I am Mayor Watt. That is hometown.com. And the AI likes to say bye-bye. Good night, hometown citizens. Bye bye. <laughs> that was smooth. <laughs> it's like we planned this, but not. Have a good night, everybody. <laughs>